Can we turn in our Bibles this evening to the Gospel according to Luke? Luke's Gospel and chapter 12, commencing to read at verse 1. This is what the Word of the Lord hath to say. Luke chapter 12 and verse 1. In the meantime, when there were gathered together an innumerable, innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod one upon another, he began to say unto his disciples, first of all, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light. That which ye have spoken in the ear, in closets, shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? And not one of them is forgotten before God. But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Also I say unto you, whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. But he that denieth me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. And whosoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But unto him that blasphemeth against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven. And when they bring you unto the synagogues and unto the magistrate and powers, take ye no thought how or what thing ye shall answer or what ye shall say. For the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what ye ought to say. And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who hath made me a judge 
or a divider over you. And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. <coughs> I will pull down my barns and will build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods, laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Ending our reading at verse 21. We trust that the Lord will add his own stamp of blessing and approval upon the public reading of his precious word. I want to start this evening with a statement. Friends, the statement's this. It's not how we start for God that matters. But it's how we finish the course for the Lord. This evening we have read about an individual a man who, by the world's standards, was a real success in life. He was a, a man, an individual with a great business acronym. A sheer professional within the farming community. And we could possibly say he was a man who was a standard bearer for his trade and industry, a trade that he knew so well, sowing and ploughing and gleaning and gathering in. I'm sure the individual in the parable which we read of from verse 16 through to verse 21 was an individual of great success. In fact, we read that he was a rich man. Look what it says in verse 16. And he spake, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, spake a parable, an earthly story with a, a heavenly meaning, 
And he said the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. So this man was a success. He was a rich man. He was a professional. He was a standard bearer. Friends, as we read down through the story, we discover that God called him a fool. In many ways, it's a a tragic story. But it's a, a narrative, nonetheless, that is repeated time and time again. Not only throughout this wee province, but throughout the United Kingdom. In which we live. A story that tells of a person who is so busy. That he's too busy to have God in his life. The story suggests that he was so conscientious. For the well-being of his land and of his crops. That alas he forgot about his soul. Here we have a man. And his barns are full to capacity. But alas his soul is void. And empty of God. Friends let's just pause there for a moment. Could that be you this evening? Or maybe you're, you're not involved in the farm and industry, but, but maybe in your field of employment, you have found that you're just far too busy for the Lord in your life. Could it be that there is no window of opportunity for the Lord to move? You may say, but... Preacher, you just don't realise how busy I am. You don't realise the the people I've got to meet, the things I have to do. Well, perhaps you're far busier than God intended you to be. Could the Lord in his great mercy be bringing this simple narrative, this simple harvest gospel message to you this evening? In mercy. Could it be that he's calling upon you. As an individual. To prioritise. And to give the Lord. His rightful place. In your life. Maybe you've been content over. The last number of years. To have the saviour. On the periphery. Of your life. To have the Saviour on the periphery of all the affairs and circumstances of your life. But now the Lord of the second chance is coming along. And through his word and by the power of his spirit, he's prompting your soul (coughs) to do business with him this evening. Oh, it would be my prayer that you will not be as this foolish farmer was. 
who neglected his soul in favour for his fortune. We will hear this evening of a man who was successful, a man who was organised, a man who was busy, but a man who had no window in his diary for the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's take a look this evening of the foolish farmer who became God's busy fool in life. I want us to see first of all his plenty. Look what it says in verse 16. And he spake a parable unto them saying the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. This farmer's barns was simply overflowing with the goods that had been grown. You see, he had ploughed at the right time. He had sown at the right season. He had gleaned and he had gathered when everything was just right and was just ripe. And the scriptures suggest that he had returned a bountiful harvest for himself and for his family. This man was a professional in his trade. What he didn't know about the farming industry was not worth knowing. I want you to see the success of this farmer. I have no doubts that he was the envy of the farming community. His peers and contemporaries within the farming fraternity would have looked and, and seen his fields. And they were filled with fruit. And they were filled with vegetables and with an abundance of stock. Not only can we see his success, but I want you to see his satisfaction. I'm sure that as he looked out upon his crops, he did so with great pride. And here was a man who was delighted when it came to the gathering in of the harvest. I'm sure that his fields... And his fields alone would have been the hive of activity during the harvest season. As day by day and week by week, he would hire in additional assistance and support to help him. Yes, he was a successful farmer. He was a satisfied farmer as he saw his crops grow in abundance. I want you to see the status of this farmer. You see, we read that he was very rich. He would have been the talk and the envy of the entire countryside. Perhaps some even thought that this individual had the mither's touch 
when it came to farming. But in reality, friends, he, he knew his trade through and through. And even though his envious colleagues could see this, they would have to concede that he knew the business well. And his status in the farming community was elevated as a result. But as we read through the passage, we, we not only see his plenty, but we read of this man's plea. Look what it says in verse 17. And he fought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. In spite of his success, in spite of his satisfaction, in spite of the status that he had within the farming fraternity, this farmer faced a great dilemma. You can see his plea there in verse 17. What? What shall I do? His barns were simply far too small. Note the concerns and cares that he had when he saw an extraordinary crop upon the ground. It wasn't to thank the Lord for the crop. Neither was it to rejoice in the opportunity that would be granted unto him of gathering in the crop. But instead he afflicts himself with the thought. What shall I do? There's not a word about what God has done. There's no word of praise. There's no word of worship or adoration or even sacrifice. What the farmer himself now considers is what shall I do? With this problem, with this difficulty that I now face. I'm sure, friends, you have been there for, I have been there also in my life. I can look back on incidents time and time again when I have been exasperated. Exasperated by the circumstances of life. And the hand that has been dealt to me in the permissible will of God. Or well, perhaps your circumstances are vastly different from the foolish farmer. And so were mine. But maybe there have been times when we have faced a real crisis in our life. A real dilemma. When we need to seek advice from friends and from family and from the greatest source of all. From the Lord himself. Could it be as we gather in the harvest service this evening that that's the very 
question. That's the very place that you find yourself in this evening. Or perhaps your pastor doesn't know the problems that you face in life. Perhaps nobody else knows, but you have this question running through your head. What shall I do? Perhaps it's physical problems this evening. Maybe your health is not all that it should be and it's been failing. And you know and the Lord knows and perhaps your GP knows. But very few people know thereafter. You're asking yourself the question, what shall I do? Maybe it's a, a financial problem. Perhaps the pressure and the burden of finances lay heavy upon you this evening. And it begs the question, what shall I do? For the young folks that are gathered in, perhaps it's an educational problem. That mum and dad just don't realise the difficulties, the strains, the stresses, the problems that you face as a young person in education. Friends, it could be a domestic problem. A marital problem. Perhaps things in the home aren't as they ought to be. And the relationship is broken down and you've reached that place. What shall? What shall I do? It could be an employment problem. The pressure of work. The uncertainty of employment. A lack of job security. But friends, all those issues, whether they be physical, financial, educational, domestic or employment, they all fade into insignificance when we mention perhaps it could be a spiritual problem. Maybe you're asking the question, what shall I do? In relation to my walk with God. I wonder friend. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ. As your own and personal saviour. He is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And in spite of what the issues of life might be for you. We read in his word. Casting all our cares upon him, for he careth for us. He's the great burden bearer. Oh, but this was a real crisis in the life of this farmer. He could cut the crop. He could gather in all the grain. And he could haul in the harvest but where would the harvest be stored and what would what would this busy farmer do we not only see his plenty it was a plentiful harvest we not only see that he was rich that he'd been blessed of God 
We not only hear his plea, what shall I do? But we also read of his real problem in verse 17. For we read these words, I have no room where to bestow my fruits. Friends, he simply had no room for the gathering in. And there's a lesson to be learned and it's this. If we fail to prepare in life, then we must be prepared to fail in life. And this was the real problem that the farmer had. He was so busy sowing and so busy watering and so busy reaping and so busy gathering and so busy harvesting that he failed in the field of preparing. He simply failed to think ahead as to the problems that one day he would face. That's like so many in this world today. They are so busy that they are too busy for the Lord. And it's strange when we when we think about it, and I was just thinking about this this afternoon, we have supersonic planes that travel at incredible speeds. We have high-powered cars and trains that can get us from A to B quicker than we have ever travelled before. We have the internet that sends emails in seconds to the other side of the globe. We even have moving staircases. Just this past week I was flying out to, to Germany and down in Dublin airport they even have a floor that moves. so that You don't have to even walk your cases. But you just stand on this conveyor belt and the conveyor belt takes you along. All time saving Devices, And yet in the midst of such time-saving devices, we find that we spend less time with God than ever we've spent with him before. So much in this world in which we live <coughs> that saves us so much time. And yet we don't make a wise choice when it comes to using that time properly. Friends, we are in the day of preparation. I wonder if you considered the well-being of your soul. I wonder if you made preparation for that time when you'll stand at the judgment throne of God and when you and when I have to give an account of the <coughs> deeds that we have done in the flesh. Because there's one thing for sure that your, your decision in life 
will determine your destiny in eternity. It's not some fairy story that we deal with this evening when we consider the inerrant word of God. And it begs the question then, where will you spend eternity? Do you know it's interesting as we note in the next few verses? The amount of time that the foolish farmer refers to himself. Look what he says in verse 17. What shall... I do. See, it was all about him. He was intoxicated even with his own importance. What shall I do? He says, I have no room. And then look what he says in verse 18. This will I do. He makes a psychological decision. He's going to sort the problem himself. We've never once heard of him conferring with the God of heaven who gave him this bountiful harvest. But now that he has a problem, now that there is a crisis in his life, he's going to sort it out himself. And isn't that what we so often try to do? He says, this is what I will do. I I will pull down my barns. And so he begins a demolition program. I'll pull down my barns. And then I'll tell you what else I'm going to do. I am going to build greater barns. Bigger barns. Than I ever had before. And in those barns. I Will bestow my goods. Do you know they weren't his goods. They were goods that God had given him. I will bestow my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul. Thou hast much goods laid up for me. Many years. Oh it was some harvest. And so he says I will. Have a program. <coughs> to demolish my barns. And I will have a plan. To rebuild. My barns. And I will bestow. My goods. They belong to me. And I will say to my soul, I have much goods laid up for many years. <coughs> Friends, the sad thing is this. That this individual wasn't going to see the midnight hour. That his appointment with deity was at the door of his life. And he had no thoughts. And no consideration. About the God of heaven. He lived only. 
for the moment. I suppose when we take a long, hard look at this individual, he had more of an interest in his bank book than he had in his Bible. He had more of an interest in his body than he had of his soul. And he had more of an interest in time than he had in eternity. Friends, I believe that the Lord is speaking this evening. Do you know, one day you will attend your very last harvest service. And it could be in Duff this evening. One day you will listen to your very last Bible reading. And it could have already been read. One day you will be exposed to the very last life changing message of the gospel. And it could be this very meeting. And one day you will close your eyes and take your last breath for the very last time. Friends, how will it be for your soul in that day? Will God say to you, thou fool? You had all the opportunity in the world to call upon the name of my dear son. And to place your faith and trust in him. But you were foolish. Remember it's not how we start for God that matters. But it's how we finish. I wonder can you look back to a moment... In your life's experience. Where you called upon the name of the Lord. Where you asked him to come in. To your heart and soul and life. To cleanse you from all sin. And from all unrighteousness. And you put your faith. And your trust. In the finished all atoning work. Of the Lord Jesus. I wonder if you entered into the, the new birth. Being born of his spirit and washed in his precious blood. I wonder as we sit here on the outskirts of Belfast. Can you read your title clear to mansions in the sky? Can you say with assurance that it would be absent from the body and praise God present? With the Lord. Have you that assurance this evening? Or do you come to the conclusion. What shall I do? Just like the farmer. Are you trying to. Gain your way into heaven. By some of the means. Other than through the all atoning. Death of the Lord Jesus on Calvary. You know, the Bible says that he that climbeth up 
any other way the same is a thief and a robber. The Bible says that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We simply read in God's word, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I wonder, have you been born of his spirit? You saved this evening. Remember, this could be the very last harvest service. The very last gospel message. The very last door of opportunity that is about to slam shut. Oh, the farmer was preparing. The farmer was going to build. The farmer says, I have much in store for many years. But they were carrying in his coffin before the hour had struck midnight. How will it be for your soul? God said, O thou fool, this night shall thy soul be required of thee. Let's bow for prayer. Father in heaven, we do thank thee for thy word. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for a move of thy spirit. Thank thee for help given this evening as we have endeavoured to just share with those who are gathered in the urgency of doing business with the God of heaven. We pray, Lord, that the devil might not steal away the seed of the word that has been sown. We pray that a conscious decision might be made, even by someone in the house this evening, to do business with thee, to settle the matter of time and eternity this night in Caridoff and to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're very conscious, Lord, that those who are gathered in are not here by chance, neither are they here by coincidence, and they're not even here because they decided to attend the service this evening. But in the determined counsel, and in the permissible will, and in the foreknowledge of God, thou hast ordained that all who are assembled this evening should be here and here for a purpose. We thank thee for the mercy of God and for the life-changing message of the gospel. And so, Lord, we just commend the closing moments of this service today, praying that thou wilt do a work of grace, that thou wilt make bare thine arm of salvation, that new names will be written in the Lamb's book of life. Set men and women and young people this evening on the road <coughs> for heaven and for whom we pray. And to thee we'll be careful to give all the praise 
the honour and all the glory. For we ask it in the Saviour's name. Amen.